Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Sugar, Silk and Stretch, a unique boxing podcast brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide, Silk Without the Stretch. Indeed, yeah. Gary, incidentally, is in transit today. It was brilliant. You know, it's been cool. The last couple of weeks has been especially cool, uh, Silk, because I got to meet you about three weeks ago now already. Which was been three epic. weeks already. That's insane. It's getting on for it. It was twenty seventh. We met on the twenty eighth of September. It was the next day of my trip, um, which is already the while ago. October thirteenth. Twenty sixth of September, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that was um. What was that band called? What? The song is Gloria. It was Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's of like course. iconic. I had a mental. Sorry, I had a mental. <laughs> Gloria, Gloria. <laughs> but. And then I got to meet Gary this week as well. I met him at the Savoy Hotel, um, very baroque venue on Monday night, and it was, oh, it, was, it was cool. So now I've met both of you guys. Um, that doing oh, I, I thought you two. I thought you two were well-known buddies. I thought you got along. Like I thought you guys hung out before. I didn't know you didn't know each other. No, nah, listen. I I never even knew him. Gary Stretch had vanished from the boxing scene for 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 the best part of thirty years after the Eubank fight. To be totally honest with you. He'd never really done media. He hadn't really been around the scene very much. And to me, you know, it all started. The reason why we're doing Sugar, Silk and Stretch ordinarily now is because I bumped into Ambrose Mendy, who was Nigel Benn's legendary uh, kind of impresario and Sven Gawley back in the early days of Nigel Benn. And he said to me, can anybody find Nigel Benn's amateur fight with a guy called Rod Douglas? Uh, that he wanted to particularly, he was interested in finding this fight. They had the couple. He wanted to find the one that Nigel had won, which helped him. Should have had him seen and qualified for the Commonwealth Games. But, um, and I said, well, I can put it out there and see if anybody on my page might know anybody who has it, whatever. And then somebody else uh, said, you know what, I'd love to see Gary Stretch knocking out Georgie Collins. Because that, that was a legendary lost amateur fight from the annals of British boxing. Because Georgie Collins was said to be 72 or 73 and 0, undefeated in 73 amateur fights at the age of 17, and he won 10 national titles. It was a big sensation when Gary knocked him out in the, in the opening round, you know. And, and then everybody was like, who is this kid called Stretch from St. Helens? 
so anyway, somebody tagged Gary Stretch in it in the conversation, and he said there is the smallest little clip used in the run-up to my fight with Eubank. They, they showed a brief clip of me knocking Collins out, and I found that, and then that's how we got talking. And I said, Gary, you know, we'd love to have you on the show. You know the rest. We did a show, and then he liked it so much he wanted to get on board with us. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh. but I never met him before. You know, I mean, obviously, I'd never met you before the other week, but but we did know each other already. We just did. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Those are the benefits of social media. Yes, indeed. Uh, listen, one thing we're not going to talk about is all the nonsense going on, which will dominate the boxing the weekend of boxing media with all that KSI. Tommy Fury nonsense. Um, and I know you were very, you didn't really know what it, what it was and didn't really care. It was Gary who wanted to talk about it last week. And um, But what you did want to talk about, you were telling me you were just revisiting George Foreman's record and statistics again the other day. And you just thought it's literally insane. And you want to talk about power. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, power is one of the uh, most magnificent and uh, powers that we the energies that we have you know attributes i should say uh that that fighters have and it's and it's really interesting how some fighters like i just happen to be filing through and i'm looking through box rec and i look at his record and i'm just looking at all these ko's he's piled up like everything was like ko this ko that and i'm looking and it gets up to like he's he's 76 um 76 and five and and like what was it? Sixty eight of those wins. Yeah, right chaos. There? You're quite right. That's, that's that's absolutely wild. I mean, and he stopped. I mean, he stopped guys like I mean George Chavalo. That chin could never be dented. You know what I mean? Like he, he knocked out some solid cats. And um, I, I know that's it. It got me on this thing. Like I want to know. I want to talk more about where power comes from. How power can be built if if you don't naturally have it is power even a natural thing or is it is it is sometimes you can you can your trainer can teach you something that kind of like curtails or or short short circuits your power because power is something that i think every fighter every human being should have right what do you think well see as i've said to you before i was never uh overly infatuated with power as a kid because because that doesn't even that doesn't sound like that's not even like humans are all about power it was all about the style for me it had to look sexy and graceful and beautiful that was what i took from ali that's what i took from leonard even though he was one serious puncher at welterweight he was he wasn't a bigger puncher of tommy hearns and papina quavers but ray could knock you dead at welterweight but i didn't pick up on that as a 10 year old 11 year old and so on so forth you know what, Michael? I got you talk about power being trained or natural innate. You know, you, the old axiom you've got no time for most old axioms, but they have that one about punches are born, not made. I'll tell you, right, when I um, was, go, was gonna turn pro with a fellow called Harry Burgess, who operated out of a very famous gym in London in British boxing circles called the Thomas of Beckett in South London on the, on the old Kent Road, he said to me, he saw me on the bag and he said, But you've never knocked anyone out before, have you? And I said, well, I've stopped a couple. He goes, yeah, you stopped a couple, but I bet you've never knocked no one's spark out, have you, son? And I said, no. And he said, you know why? Because you're bouncing all over the gaff and throwing all these shots, you know, and, and all the rest of it, you know, combination yeah. one, speed, yeah. style and profile. And then he said, settle down, blah, 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 all that kind of thing, you know, sit down on your punches. Mm -hmm. Then he got me 
being more like an ordinary um, professional British fighter, one. I would say. Yeah. Well, his vision of a professional fighter, a very British boxing blueprint of a box fighter. And, and then he was saying to my dad and everybody else, see, he's a devastating puncher. You know, then he, then he was trying to big me up as this big, you know, incumbent KO king. And he said, it's just that he's never used it before. So, but see, this was the thing. The, I, I didn't want compliments for my power. I wanted compliments for my style. And I wanted mm -hmm. them to compare me to the fighters that, that I love most dearly. And, and, you know, sometimes they did. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think I paid enough attention to getting people out of there in my amateur boxing career. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think... You made me think, because I would have thought if I'd have guessed it several months ago, even a couple of years ago, I'd have guessed that you felt the same. But when you said, no, no fighter should be looking to, to go the distance if he can avoid yeah. it, I think I should have taken more of a leaf out of, out of that particular book. Uh, I look back on it and think that way. Well, it's very interesting because, I, I, you know, when I... Um... When people, when I hear people, and even reporters back in the day, reporters or people calling my fights on TV, commentators, and and even and even fighters or or like at least fight boxing writers, when they talk about me, the last thing they talk about is is power. But let me ask yeah. you something. What do you think my KO percentage was? Well, what would you guess? Just just even just a guess from just from. For me, I guess it was in a region of 75. Yeah, I was actually, I mean, 70, a little bit higher than 70, but like 70, early 70s. Yeah. And, and to me, that's kind of like most people would say, oh, well, if you look at it, nobody ever says Michael Olajide, silk puncher. You know no. what I mean? But if you're getting rid of 70, and even like, even the guys that I lost to or the guys that I, um, yeah, that I lost to, or, or guys that went the distance, like most of them also hit the canvas as well in my fights. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's and that's what's so interesting. It's like you can never really, um, well, there are a number of things that go into making a great punch, but you can never really tell. I, I mean, I, I listen to what you're saying about yourself and how you never really wanted to end a fight. But that's all a part of it too. It's like punching power comes from your nature. Yeah, exactly. As that. well as your ability, as well as the physicality of, of of projecting a strong punch, it comes from your nature. Because I know I've been in fights, whereas when my nature, when I didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel like trapped. I didn't feel desperate, or I didn't feel angry, and I didn't feel like uh, I didn't feel. I didn't feel like competitive. I didn't really feel like um, I was hunting. And so when I punch, I punched with the, there wasn't like an alacrity behind it. There wasn't any purpose and, yeah. and there wasn't any destructive intent. And, and because it, there weren't those things, it never happens. Some people just, uh, people talk about someone being a natural puncher. Uh, I think there always has to be intent behind it. What do you think? I think you're probably right. I think it's an attitude. The, the, the interesting thing about that, though, is that you know that when people will tell you, don't load up and don't look for the KO, because then it doesn't come, because you're too tight, you're too coiled, you're trying yeah. too hard, and you have to well, let the, you know, you have to yeah. let it happen some fluid, you know? Well, when you're, when you're coiled and when you're tight, what that really does, it hurts your resilience. It, it hurts your ability to take the punch, because here's what happened, right? If you're like this, and the punch comes, and you're relaxed... You go with the punch. If you're yeah. like this, bam, 
punch slams into you, the reverberation shoots right through your body. So fighters, that's why I teach you a lot of neck exercise with boxing. So you go with it and come back and get hit, get hit. You go with the punch and you come back. Um, when you lock up like that, again, you know, you make the impact and there's that solid reverberation that goes through your body. It hurts more. But that, Do you? You know, it's that old axiom kind of like what that which doesn't bend breaks. It has one or the other. You either bend or break. Where do you stand then on the idea that, that people who say it's the shots you don't see that really damage you or really potentially knock yeah, you out? I mean, that's true too. Like power comes from a number of things and that's something we can always touch on. Um, like power, to you, where does power come from? What makes I somebody think, a power puncher? A little while ago, I'd have said it comes from the feet, but I actually think it's to a great extent now having... But, you know, kicked it back and forth with you for the last year solid on this podcast. I think maybe it comes from the core and it comes from. And it comes from. Emmanuel sorry, Stewart said. I missed after core. I think you it comes sort of bleeped out. Um, core was the only important part of that. What I was saying after that was Emmanuel Stewart said that one of the secrets to being a KO puncher was to clench your fist right at the last moment. And also, he believed in turning the fist right over. So instead of it finishing like that, when I throw a right cross, yeah? yeah? yeah. Oh, you, yeah. Don't, you don't call it a cross, okay. A straight right hand. Um, yeah. When I throw a straight right hand, yeah. I actually, instead of finishing like that, if I actually finish it like that, you know turn what I mean? Turn it over. Yeah. I turned it over, really screwed it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, that's, and the it, that's the torque. Yeah, that's the torque. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, I believe in that too. I mean, the torque matches the core's movement. There's a torque in the core and there's a torque in the fist. You turn it over as it goes. It's very much like, I mean, I don't know if you watch baseball. I'm not sure if they do it in cricket, but the way a pitcher would pitch, that's how you project with the most power. The same mechanisms are in the power right hand. Uh, I, I think, you know, stepping in with the punches, your feet's important in that you want to step in with your with your foot. And if you're stepping yeah. forward with your punch, you're projecting, your weight is going forward. One of them, but, but the most important thing, people say like, uh, you know, speed is power. But it never has been. Speed is not power. There's a, a million fast fighters that, you know what I mean? They're fast, but they're not powerful. Hector Camacho or George Foreman. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But you look at somebody like, you know, um, well, weight is power. Yeah. Weight is power. Num the number one ingredient for punching hard is weight. I believe it's 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 you know technique helps and but but it's weight and then when you put speed with it, the faster you can be with something really heavy. A lot of times, people when they start punching fast, they start opening their hands and they're touching and yeah. they're, and they're using half their body's movement. They're not committing. So they're not punch, yeah. They're not punching through. So it's an arm punch. If Joe Calzaghe decided to plant his feet and lock his muscles up and project the punch properly, I'm sure he'd knock guys out as well. That's the thing, Silk, as well, right? When you're gonna, if you want to throw like a, let's say, an eleven punch combination, and you want to show off like Sugar Ray Leonard and Meldrick Taylor, and like I did when I was a teenager on the bags, I wanted to be seen as the fastest kid in the in the boxing mm -hmm. club. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, you've got to cheat, and you want to be faster than those guys, yeah. and you want them to say, "God, he's got amazing yeah. hand speed." Yeah. You, some of these punches are slaps; they have to yeah. be. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Now, here's the thing with Sugar Ray Leonard and with um, Meldrick Taylor, and this is where Sugar Ray made the conversion and Meldrick didn't. And it's, I don't know why, it's probably something psychological and there's something in their psyches. But Sugar Ray Leonard as a professional was an incredible puncher. Like, like he could, yeah. he could, he could crack. That left hook was incredible. And so were his body shots and so were his, like his overhand right. Um, and even his straight right. So both hands, he was great. But Meldrick Taylor, he's looking to pull his punches back, very much like Howard Davis. Howard yeah. Davis and Meldrick Taylor would punch, would pull their punches back before they finished yeah. the punch, before it really made impact. They're already pulling it back because um, more or less like you were saying about yourself, they're caught up in the beauty of the punch, the beauty yeah. of the combination, how it looks on TV. Am I, you know what I mean? Am I, yeah. you know, uh, Am I a virtuoso with my hands kind of thing? Yes, exactly um, that. So, um, but... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And punches tend to be a lot more, uh, I guess, systematic and predictable and and um, I, I guess I guess patient. But in the amateurs, it's a numbers game. So I can understand putting up the numbers because you only have three rounds in which to get a win. Yeah, and and if you're looking for a, if you're looking for the punch, like most, a lot of great punchers that fought amateur, they didn't reach their goals um, of becoming like Olympic gold medalist or gold glove champ because they didn't let their hands go. There's not enough time to yeah. you know to find a guy within three rounds who's moving around, and letting his hands go quickly. So well, that's why the lighter punches do much better in the amateurs. They, they always say Tommy Hearns couldn't punch as an amateur. He only found that chilling payoff when he turned over. It's really interesting because I, I see uh, Tommy, I've seen a couple of his amateur fights on in YouTube and everything, and it looks like he punches and mechanics are the same. But there's also a thing that you call top heavy, and that's a different type of puncher. And guys that are top heavy, they have like that wide back, the cobra back, the yeah. heavy slot, the shoulders and everything. He wasn't quite developed there when he was younger. When he, when he was like, as an amateur, he was a lightweight junior welterweight. Yeah. So he was a lot thinner and straight like this. And then as he, as he turned pro or before he turned pro, he started to fill out. But at some point, something had to signify to him that he is a puncher now. So he fought, what was it? He fought Howard Davis and Aaron Pryor at yeah. 140. He fought him, I believe, at 135, maybe even lighter. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's correct. And so, and so he hadn't nearly filled out, grown as skinny as he was. He still wasn't that same puncher because he didn't have the weight in the back. He didn't have the weight in the fist. He did have the speed. He had the exact same mechanics. It's very interesting. But his physicality changed. You know, you know Mike Ayala beat Tommy, right? You remember that, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember you saying. Which, That's amazing. And you know something? That what's interesting? I know this will appeal to your imagination. I'm talking to people about doing a movie based on the Ayala's, but we're thinking of going more with Mike as at least, if not the central character, at least the, the twin mm -hmm. character. 
so we can spin it more that it's not, not just a terrible story of a, of, with a very mm -hmm. abjectly terrible yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're thinking of Baby Bull and the Cyclone, and in that we will have we will depict the Tommy Hearns fight because there's mm -hmm. no video of it. There never will be, and not many people know about it. But can you yeah. imagine bringing it to life sensitively through Mike's eyes and maybe yeah. even Tommy's eyes if we can get him to, to make some remarks on it? That'd be cool, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it'd be very cool. I, I'm pretty sure Tommy would be down for that. Tommy's great. You may yeah. have to, you know, I mean, you may have to hit him in the pockets a little bit, but he'd definitely do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well we should get him <laughs> on the show one time because he, he he did Spencer Fear on Antonio Jai's show called yeah. "The Fight Is Right," so we could maybe get Tommy on here. Oh, that would be cool. So, as we were saying, so speed is not necessarily power; never has no. been. Weight is power. No. Two stance is really important. Guys that tend to spread their legs a little bit more are better punchers. and That's, that's what Roy Jones said. Yeah. Roy Jones said it always. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And that's because what you do is you widen your foundation, you widen your base, your platform. Let's say that um, it's almost like a, like a catapult. You know what I mean? You, the catapult needs that foundation in order for it to project... Yeah. Uh, project the punch or the boulder to project it forward and to project it far um, with weight and the weight and velocity. And so, yeah, I, I've noticed that, you know, when fighters, whenever you go to knock somebody out, your legs, you separate your legs, it gives you more foundation. And you look at somebody like, you know, John Nabis Mugabe, um, yeah. George Foreman, although he didn't do it as much when he was, uh, when he was older, he kept his feet a lot closer together and used his heavy, and he was top-heavy puncher. Whereas yeah. when he um, when he was younger, he would separate his legs a lot wider. Wide, yeah, real wide. Yeah. And with, yeah. with his arms, and he'd parry him and serve yes. people all the time. But, yeah. you know, did Foreman lose his punch eventually in his grandfather dotage? He, he appeared to, almost. Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, he probably didn't punch as well as well but as well as he did when he was younger one because you know you kind of like quell the demon a little bit you know what i mean you actually yeah. quell the demon like you that that fire that he fought with as a youth came from a lot of things it came from like an unfortunate you know um the way he lived as, as he came up i mean there was that yeah. sense of desperation that he had and yeah. that sense of panic and all those things make you more tense and tenseness causes this right cause that yeah. tenseness in you and so it's not only just a, it's not only emotionally the will and the um and the the will and the intent to hurt somebody or knock them out there's also this the physicality of it like the actual closing of the fist because here like this when your fists are closed like this then they're dense they're like cannonballs it's like all the way yeah. through but when those hands are like this and you have the hollow open with them you're not hitting the same. No. No. So what about Joe Lewis? I mean, obviously, he's been lauded, rightfully so, I would say, as one of the greatest punchers in boxing history. Yeah. He was a concussive one-shot puncher, but he was also a beautiful yeah. combination puncher. Yeah. He used real basics, all the beautiful, yeah. fundamental, yeah. rudimentary basics. Yeah. But um, Visually, he was beautiful to look at when he was fighting. Yeah, um, because every shot was almost clinically perfect. And you were, people talk about Jack Blackburn's masterful coaching. And you wonder, you do wonder if there's some lost wisdom that, that hasn't really translated or been handed down 
to coaches later on in the game, even though some people think the, the, the game's evolved on certain certain level. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah it hasn't team. really evolved. I don't think it's evolved, but I but I think like the biggest problem with trainers is enough there aren't enough fighters that turn back into the sport to take their experience and use on modern day fighters. The, too many too many fighters are. You know they finish boxing and they're and they're maybe frustrated with their careers, or yeah. it frustrates them to have to teach somebody because you know they are a certain ability and it takes it does take a special kind of something to uh, patience to teach somebody even desperation or or um, I don't know kind of like when you're doing something together there's got to be that that back and forth and that's not what something fighters are used to it's very much like. The fighter's world is it's all about me and it's what I do and I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not going to start trying to um, speak, you know, cordially to somebody when all you want to do is swear at them and say, you dumb, da 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 why aren't you doing it like this? And this is yeah. what I taught you and da da and, and so that leads to a really short relationship, you know what I mean? It certainly doesn't lead to a you know, successful long relationship. Um so those kinds of courtesies fighters aren't used to showing to people and 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 nobody I guess nobody really wants to deal with that. Like I, I just don't understand how more fighters don't get into it. There are fighters that have not been in the top ten or the top twenty and, and they're they fought amateur careers, good amateur careers and 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 maybe not very successful professional careers that go into boxing, but it's you know few and far between. Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes wonder if the, the amount of punches per head is decreasing in the modern era. When you think, when you think back to bygone eras, you think of you even let's talk about the '80s. Like you got huge punches, like Wilfredo Gomez, uh, Carlos Zarate, Ruben Alvarez, '70s and '80s. Yeah. Uh, even guys like you know Cyclone Hart, even who never became mm -hmm. world champions. Eugene um, Cyclone Hart. Yeah, you know, and um, you, I do wonder if you talk about devastating, murderous punches today. There's usually always one guy, the banner star, at any particular time when it's purely for punching power in boxing. Whereas I wonder today, who who is the hardest pound for pound puncher you think in, in currently active in boxing today? Yeah, I mean, it might be, it could be anyway, you know. It, it absolutely could be anyway. Um, it could be anyway. He's definitely, I mean, he's a puncher. No doubt about that. Um, I, you know, obviously a lot of people want to say Wilder, and, and, I, and I'd give yeah. you that. He's, he's definitely naturally a, a good puncher. I don't know what he's like with his left hook. Is, is he active, though? Is, is Deontay Wilder active? Does he qualify it? Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't even know if it's a matter of his activity. I'm, what I would say was, like, the caliber of opponents that in, in which he fights, I just don't know. Like knowing how to ride a punch, knowing how to take a punch, knowing how to fight a puncher will distinctly change how that puncher fights. So, for instance, if if he's fighting somebody that he feels he can wipe the floor with, and and, and it causes him no hesitation, then of course he's going to go in there and he's going to be able to let his punches go like not a problem, not an issue. Right, he'll yeah. go out there and he'll just let he'll let hell go from his from his fist, 
And uh, and if he hits a person, it's obviously he's going to knock them out because he's a puncher. But the thing is, when you have somebody of equal or better ability and you know that, you start hesitating. Once you start hesitating, things aren't coordinated. Yeah. The muscles and, and you get tired as well. When, when, when people make you hesitate and unsure of yourself and they're fainting and, and getting, you, getting you at it, you start yeah. getting tired when you think, why am I tired? And he's not hardly working sometimes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and 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 the thing is, like for instance, you you start you're hesitating also because it hurts when he hits you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or he's hitting you easily at one point, and you start thinking about, oh, I better defend myself, and you don't get a chance to let go of punches with confidence. So what I'm saying is, pretty much Deontay Wilder, all the guys he's fought, he thought he could knock out, and he knew he was going to knock them out, and they didn't have the ability, nor did they have the, um, nor did they have the. Uh, the cachet going into it that they could knock him out with the exception of Fury, but but you know Fury again that's an exceptional fight. But you know, Anybody else? Sorry, Fury was very close to being knocked out as well. I mean, some people think he got a he benefited from a from a from a long count as well, don't they, Fury? And also, do you remember that the first fight in LA? Well, I happened to be in attendance at the Staples Center. Do you remember that the referee? I think his name is Jack Rice. Um, Asked him to walk forward, a bit like, you know, the drunk driving um, test. Can you please walk in a straight line? Can you yeah, do yeah. Come backwards and forwards. And people were saying, where the fuck did that rule come from? I never said, and they said, oh, no, it's a new rule. It's a new WBC rule. Yeah. But, but have we been, think about it, Silk. Have we been observing that rule since? Or did it, was it just around for then? And has it been since discontinued? Have you not yeah, seen it? I'd, I'd seen it. I'd seen, um, I'd seen other fights where the referee said, walk to me. And if he walked right, then you know what I mean? It was one way of testing whether or not. I don't think it was a time grab, you know what I mean? Giving him more time to recover. <clears throat> um, but I, I have seen it where the referee says, walk to me. And he walks to him. And then he goes, okay, he rubs his gloves or whatever. And he goes, fight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I have seen that. I don't think that was something. I don't think that's something unique because I'd seen it a number of times. I've, there's a contentious comment from one of our uh, watchers, by the way. And I've got to pick this up. Mick Thompson says... I quote verbatim, the very best boxing trainers were shit boxers or have never boxed. They are, they are usually boxing fans or they're, they, yeah, usually boxing fans. Yeah, well, let's and, think about that. Let's examine that comment. The, the very yes. best boxing trainers are shit boxers. Jack Blackburn was nearly an all, a borderline all-time great fighter himself and was an all-time great trainer. So there's an example where that's not quite correct, Mick. Uh, where would you stand, Silk? Freddie well, Roach was, no, was nothing special in the ring, but he was a fringe contender all uh, right manny stewart was a very good amateur they said he could have turned pro could have turned pro all along uh -huh. um james buddy mcgurt is a good trainer a proven good trainer it was a, it was a very very good fighter old famer yeah, um, yeah so i don't know about this one um ray arcel never boxed in his life angelo Dundee never boxed in his life charlie goldman was described as a crack bantamweight yeah. Um, in, when I read about him in pictorial history of boxing and trained Rocky Marciano. Now, assuming they didn't mean he was a 118-pounder on crack cocaine, I, yeah. I, I imagine they mean he was a good bantamweight, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that, that that's a little bit of a um, of a sweeping statement Mick just made then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think sometimes, yeah... Um, Sometimes you just don't want to mess the mess up the ingredients. You know what I mean? Like you have something good, a guy's a good puncher, great fighter, or whatever it is, and you just and and you compliment him instead of changing him. Like a yeah. lot of fighters need to learn how to. The majority of guys that are into boxing need to that that box and compete. 
need to learn from the ground up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there are certain fighters that don't need that and, and just need – you just need to like – like you don't want you don't want to the ingredients are perfect you don't want to mess with them you know what I mean like I don't know how much I don't think there were very many people that influenced Ali's style I don't think so because and if they if they did they were other boxers that Ali liked and you know yes. they watched yeah yeah exactly and you get and and that's the thing with most fighters like that's what happens today like with a lot of trainers today they say okay. Let's take that from Mayweather and let's take that from Leonard and let's take that from Marciano and let's borrow this. And they put these things together and they don't really have a methodology. Yeah. And, uh. and that's what, that's what like boxing is like the Western Hemisphere's martial art. And, and you need a methodology in order for a fighter to be complete. Like you see these fighters talking about punchers. Yeah. But, but what about the fact that, when they have to take punches, you know what I mean? They shouldn't have to take the, the amount of punches that they take. And, and like, the, like the, we talk about, oh, yeah, the fighters, the, the, you don't have to be a great trainer in order to train a fighter, or you don't have to ever box before in order to be a fighter. Well, you do, because you know what? So many fighters end up punchy, and, you know, they have, like, eye issues, brain issues, yeah. balance issues, all the rest of that stuff. And I would have to assume that's because – a lot of them, like defense, isn't taught. But if fighters were in there, and fighters, especially fighters that have fought, you know, that that have injuries and 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 residuals from the fight career, if they were saying to themselves, "Well, I don't want this guy to end up like me, so I'm going to show him some things that would get him past that, that won't have to happen to him." That's how you better boxing, and that's how you are a better trainer. And only guys who have fought before can do that. Everyone can tell you how to punch. Everyone, you can naturally, your instincts, you're just naturally an aggressive fighter. And I understand that. But you need to learn the nuances. The nuances. That's what, Witherspoon, that, that, what you've just said there would be very, um, it's very consistent with what Tim Witherspoon says about himself and what he can offer a fighter if anybody mm -hmm. would give him a chance. Like Andy mm -hmm. Joshua, he's been gunning for for years just to help him out, teach him how to, where to put his hands, how to take less punches mm -hmm. and be more effective. And Tim... Mm -hmm. Tim had all those fights, you know, against a couple of generations yes. of, of great heavyweights, and yes. he is sharp as a tack and clear as a bell. Yes. Um, yes. So he and when he looks at Tommy Hearns, who who is does slur his words a lot and is what some people would describe as, you know, they would say he's got dementia pugilistica. Uh, he says Tommy had no defense. That's what Tim says, but that's probably a bit of a sweeping statement, a little bit unfair to Tommy. But he says he had no defense. And then that, that's why he says he's in the, the cerebral shape that he's in today. It's You know, I think Tommy does have defense. He absolutely does. Like, he he can get his head out the way. His legs. His, yeah, his intent. Well, he could move around, but, I mean, he could actually, like, pull, slip, get to the yeah. side. He does all that stuff. It's very subtle. And you, you tend to look at his power and his offense dominates, obviously, his defense. But yeah. it's because Tommy's intent is so pure. Like his his intent, no matter who he fights, every single time he stepped in the ring, his intent was he just wants to hit you. He wants to, he wants to land a punch on you, and he'll give up anything. He'll stay there. When you're a committed puncher, you have to stay there in order for it to make it happen. So obviously, it's yeah. going to come back at you. you Sanjay Ali also says that Tommy did have a bit of a draw even when he was young. To be fair, to any yeah. judgment that's made, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's it's only. I mean, you look at Hearn's amateur record, and then you look at Hearn's the way in which they sparred and trained for fights. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's insane. And then, and then when you look at his professional career and the guys he fought and the kind of fights he was involved in, and you say to yourself, I don't know how he's even still able to, you, you know what I mean? Like say the things he needs to say. It's, it's impossible. Like you, like you must be made out of something titanium in order to even be in the position you are today to to function and and have the motor skills that you do have. Yeah, because he goes far beyond uh, like his physical capabilities. Um, yeah, that resilience must have been must have been something else. Yeah. And, and when we, we've spoken before about his contemporaries, um, Hagler, Duran, and Leonard, who they all seemed, they all seemed, I mean, Hagler's no longer with us, but they all seemed in fine fettle. I mean, Ray, Ray is very, very erudite and doesn't, yeah. he, he says, I remember when I interviewed him over 10 years ago, he said, my wife still can't believe I was a boxer. He says, you know, she doesn't believe he was a boxer, you know, because his yeah. new one that he has today. Yeah. And uh, Duran, I don't speak Spanish, but the vibe of Duran is that, that he's absolutely yes. all there. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Loves his life and is happy with his passing day. And Marvin was just, just Marvin was just exactly like I imagine Marvin. Yes. Yeah. Wrestling a little, yeah. a little kind of mean and moody. And, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hagler, Hagler. Uh, when I talked to him as well, he hadn't slipped at all. And oh. when it's interesting because look at. Um, Iran Barkley, for instance. Yes. Iran, you talk to him and you and you look at him and you think of all his fights and everything. You think he's slow, but he isn't. You see, no. I, I've had lunch with him a couple of times and we've talked and over the years and we've had car rides together and everything. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this guy. There's no, like, I, I never actually heard him talk that weekend, you know? When we were, when we were with him at yeah, yeah. got two pictures with him, never heard him say a word. Yeah, uh, Iran's always said you know was always small on the talking part you know what i mean unless you piss him off then he'll like he'll come at you you know what i mean but yeah. but basically he's not one to like go back and forth with the uh you know with the insults he's 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 more of an action than a than a talk kind of dude but but he's um but he's very clear with his like with his thoughts when he states his thought he's very clear there's no you know, he'll hesitate only because maybe you're talking over him or something like that. But he doesn't have, I don't think he has any brain damage or motor skill issues at all. I think it's all like if he slows only because he's heavier now and he hasn't been active in a while. You know yeah. what I mean? That's really it. So I think that's, that says something about, um, I guess a thicker cranium. <laughs> I, I think it must be something to do with that. You know, you might recall uh, the tragic Johnny Owen who died uh, as a result of his fight with Luke Pintor in um, 1980. He was found to have an abnormally thin skull mm -hmm. to the point where they said it, it, it was perhaps fortunate that he hadn't suffered an injury at an earlier point in his career. Um, having had 30 odd fights up to that point, I believe, you know, he was, he was British and European and Commonwealth Bantamweight champion. Um, you know, and they said he just had a very abnormally thin skull, which which might not have passed more modern um, safety, you know, medical 
procedures yeah. to bring sporting water control. I think I think having a do you know what though, Tilk? I think having a thicker skull definitely helps, you know, and the bone density, your cranium, yeah. like you said. Oh, absolutely. But I also yeah. think, you know, when you said you were talking about punching power and punching and being a knockout artist is partly psychological and partly to your attitude and, and your mindset, right? I think having a chin, I've always felt I might be wrong by the way. I've always felt like having a great chin is is kind of partly like that kind of attitude as well. Like I remember we Danny Romero, a former guest on this show, mm-hmm. he was said to be the hardest pound for pound for pound puncher in boxing at one point when he fought Johnny Tapia mm-hmm. and in the late nineties. And Tapia said if he hits me on the chin, I'll just laugh. And he pretty much did. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes maybe you need the chin in the first place to have that kind of confidence in it. But I do think some of it might be psychological in, in terms of how you your confidence and how you feel about getting punched in the face, you know? I I would tend to agree with that only because uh, when you're getting hit, it, it's not an emo- it's not really an emotional. Uh, it's not it's not really an emotional event. It is to some people that have never been hit before. Of course, it's it's an emotional event. They like, go, oh "My God, this is something new to me." But by the time you're fighting for a world title, that kind of trauma should be normalized. Right, that that kind of. Uh, do you hear me? Don't hear you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I think you were messing around with the switches. Still don't hear you. Maybe you need to go out and come back in again. He always does this when I when I start to get on a roll. He always messes up my thing. <laughs> go out, come back in. Go out, come back in. Go out. Go out. Come back in. Out. In. Yes, yeah, so um, so it's just me gabbing by myself right now until uh, Ben joins us again. I'm sorry about this. He'll come right back, I'm sure. Um, I wish I had the uh, ability to see people's reactions and ask answer questions for you. Um, if you want to talk about punchers and punching power, uh, it's something that's very exciting. We all love to see it. I know that. Are you there, Ben? I am. You know what that was? That was Ellen K. Bromson calling me. <laughs> and then it shuts down our fucking audio. People need to stop doing that. It's like you must, she watches the show obsessively. She has to know we're on. You know, I don't know what I'm related to I know that, but that is, we need to get to a point where this can't happen. I don't know. Yeah, you know she, so. she's, she's a beautiful woman. I love her energy. But how come, how come, don't you get like uh, the written, uh, they can ask questions and don't they show up on your screen? They do ask, yeah, which and I can, I can actually show you that highlight a question. Can you see it now? Okay, so there we go. Yeah. So let's do that. Go ahead. 
Okay, so so uh, the point where was I? We were talking about chins, and 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 taking them is not like giving them. I do not think like uh, there are just so many things in being able to take a punch that you can you hope you can prevent against, but it's it's um, it's a natural like a physical the thickness of your cranium. Uh, I, th- I think it has a lot to do with. Um, like the thickness of the neck as well. Do the yeah. muscles do the muscles cover the nerves? Like like you see some fighters that get hit around the head all the time, and you get hit on the point of the chin, they go out. You know, it's finding the soft spot. There are fighters that could take it all the way, like in the, get punched in the face, get hit in the body, everything. You hit them off the top of the head, like Jerry Cooney yeah. or Alex Ramos, and all of a sudden they're you know what I mean? They're out of sorts. There yeah. are sweet spots in boxing too. Like, like there are there are certain types of fun punches that hit you with 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 like a <clears throat> kind of something that like shifts your brain over. It's kind of like sloshes the brain. So it's so it's like caught in your brain's moving inside the encasing. I'm sorry, your yeah. yes, your brain's moving inside the skull encasing. Those kind of punches are like George Foreman, for instance, or um, John Mugabe, the heavy-handed guys. Um, and then there's guys that hit you with the nerve. It's more of a nerve punch, like Tommy Hearns, for instance. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like uh, it's really it's really interesting how that works. It is. You said Tommy Hearns' right hand was like Novocaine. You said. Yeah, it really was. It really was. It's 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 numbing. It's um. There's no pain in either one. What the what there is is like when you come, like I've been hit and I've come to on the way down like it was just like a quick out and you know you're on the way down you're like oh hell and it's time to get up and and you're thinking there's no fear involved it's just a matter of like you've either things are imbalanced because the, the you know your brain's been shifted to the side or it's a nerve thing and you need to like you've got 10 seconds for your body to start all the synapses to start firing normally again so you can get up and and do whatever you got to do and that's what we mean you see guys is you know one foot's going that way one foot's going yeah. the other way it's like learning how it's like being a baby learning how to walk yeah. all over again and no. you have to do you have to do that two year or one and a half year of learning how to walk process in 10 seconds <laughs> yeah you know what i've only been hit once like that where i went down and i don't know what happened you know you know the next thing you know about it you're on your back mm-hmm. and that was um you remember darren barker um it was what's his name his name was darren barker he fought sergio martinez and he beat daniel gill to become i believe it was ibf middleweight champion uh-huh. he, he fought that he fought sergio martinez for what was probably the wba See, this is why they're ruining boxing history. Iceman John Scully says it all the time. I'm trying to remember what titles these guys guys held, and I'm pretty good, and I can't. I think yeah. I'm probably right, but I, can, I have to guess to an extent. I think yeah. Martinez was the WBA champion who beat Darren Barker by, by an 11th round KO, I believe. And yeah. uh, he beat Daniel Gill on points, getting up from a body shot on the way. But So, yeah. so Darren was a world-class fighter, right? He was As an amateur, he was a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. Mm-hmm. As a pro, he was British... Um, Commonwealth European and a world champion. He hit me when he was still an amateur. He was getting ready for the European Championships, the amateurs, right? In uh-huh. nine, it was 2000, 2004 at a Repton Boxing Club. I believe it was January. Um, and he hit me with a shot. I think I've told you about it before. It was a 45 degree shot, you know. Um, called me on the chin, underneath the chin kind of thing. There. Um, 
And I went, I didn't know what happened. I thought I'd slipped. You know when you think you've slipped and you thought, no, you didn't. You, when you get up and you're trying to, you're trying to retain your gait and your head's kind of crackling a little bit. And then you're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> he hit you. But um, only, yeah. well, I've only ever had that sensation once. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had, one thing I've had once is like you got hit and you're fighting, but you're fighting on instinct. And I didn't know that I was fighting until like two rounds later. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you come to. It's it's very it's a very strange thing. You're fighting on instinct on autopilot, and and it's wild because then when you look back at the fight and you say to yourself, "This is what." Your nature does, <laughs> you know. Yeah, what I mean? what your looking. nature was meant to do. This is a, this is how you talk about yourself when you're not around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because don't people talk about yeah, like like when you get when you get older and you have dementia, but the hardwired stuff you remember, uh, or is it is it or is it the other way? Like the the stuff that you like songs you remember when you were a kid, you can recall all of that, yeah. but you can't remember how to walk or what that, you know, and you read something and you forget it the next second. So the um, yeah. instantaneous immediate memory is not there, but that long ago stuff, you remember when your parent took you to the movie and you had like, you know, glazed donuts afterwards or whatever it is. It's like, you remember that stuff. And that's what's so wild about the brain. And, and, and yeah. So, Would well, you know. remember Mike Tyson said after the Holyfield fight, the first Holyfield fight, no. When he was stopped in the eleventh round, uh, he said he couldn't remember the fight. He said, "I don't even remember the fight." He said he hit me in the third or fourth round, I believe. And yes. he said, "And after that, I don't remember anything." Yeah, um, you know. Um, and Holyfield Mar Marlon, said, "Marlon Starling, after he was he was knocked out in a fight." Thomas so, Molinares. Yeah, and 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 he got up and he was in the interview and he was like, "I wasn't knocked out." Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he did. convincing him he was. Gene Fulmer. Gene Fulmer said he wondered why Robinson was doing exercises in his corner. He must be in great shape to be to be doing that in between rounds. You know, like almost like he was celebrating. He's like, why is he doing that for? And they yeah. said it's over. You got knocked out, Gene. He didn't know. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those, uh, you know, we've had that where time just disappears, and and it's uh, it's very interesting how that works. Like all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, um, the way we play, the way punches play with time. Uh, yeah, and even the fight itself, when it's happening fast, uh, when when you're on the downside, it happens so, so everything happens slow. The round goes forever when you catch it a beating, but when you have somebody yeah. ready to go, how it just disappears and it's real quick. Um, so some of the other things I was mentioning, like you said, feet. You thought feet were important with punching and and absolutely yeah. stepping in with the punch absolutely is because then it brings your whole body weight into the punch, right? Yeah. That's the difference from stepping in and pivoting are two different, different things. Pivoting is a per is, does not help you punch hard. man. And, and I always try to explain that. To I people. was having this argument, not argument. I was talking to someone the other night in the gym, the white collar gym. Yeah. Think about yeah. like the white collar gym is you'll get these enthusiastic newcomers who might already have their professional license, by the way, from the British Boxing Water Control these days, but they're mm -hmm. still... This girl that I train uh, all the time called Lois, and the next minute I see she's on the mix with this the other guy, 
Um, and he's teaching her to turn her foot on the jab, like, just like you turn your foot on a straight right. She's throwing the left jab and he's getting her to turn her foot that way. And she, and she queries it because she's been working with me for three years. And yeah. I said, and I came down and said, excuse me, sorry, did you just tell her to turn her foot on the left jab? And he went, yeah. I said, mm -mm, I beg to differ. You beg to differ, right, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I mean, so I said, step in with the jab, push off the back foot and step in with it, sure. You know, yeah. um, but, but yeah. you don't need to turn it like. And then I got into, I told him about you and about, and about Tom Yankello, who's, who spends a lot of time certainly saying stop pivoting when you throw your left hook. Um, yeah. I, I don't think, Silk, I don't think you can get away from the pivot on the, on the right hand. If it's the straight right hand, or if you're a southpaw, it'd be, you know, your straight left hand, what some people call the backhand. I think you've got to pivot on that, but I don't think you need to pivot on the jab. And you're right, the hook, not always, not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, if you're, if you're going with the punch again, we have to think about what is the purpose of the pivot, and and to what do you think the purpose of the pivot is, Ben? Well, I think for the right cross, the right you don't like cross. So it just feels like it does go across a little bit, right? It goes across more. The jab feels like it travels a bit straighter. The cross, yeah, yeah. Um, but because you're I think turning you have your body to turn like the on that. for balance, for balance, for continuity, for flow, for for distance, you get a bit more distance off off of it. Um, you do because. If you're going to turn your shoulder and you're going to turn your core, your hip, then you and, and your knee and everything else, then your foot has got to play ball with all that. But um, but the but the pivot on the hook, honestly, I don't remember doing it up until about 2003 when I got to Gleason's, and I saw some fighters doing it and some fighters coaching it, and I saw John Duddy, who I recently reunited with on a film set at random, turning his foot with the coach. I don't know if it was Hector Rocker or whoever it was coaching him, uh, but you'd know how he teaches because you've been with him. Uh, yeah. But I started turning my foot more consciously when I threw a left hook. When I come back with a left hook or leave with a left hook, unless you're going to jump with it, which is a different thing. Yeah. As I'm uh, saying all this, it is a big shame we didn't get a chance. We crammed so much into the other week, but we didn't get a chance to get in the gym and 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 have a conversation in real yeah. time with gloves on and pads and bags. Yeah. That would have been, yeah. we have to do that at some point. We will do that because that would be so valuable. But anyway, um, I, but what I noticed was, so I started teaching that and, and doing that for a bit. I had a few more amateur fights at that point as well. Then I went into coaching kind of simultaneously. But what I noticed when I wasn't watching myself or I'd be looking at other fighters on, in the ring or on the bag, half the time they would not be turning that foot on the left hook. They'd just be flat foot and they'd turn the hip. I noticed Floyd Mayweather often throws his hook like that. He doesn't turn the foot up. He just mm -hmm. turns the core. You know, yeah. so, so I don't think... I think it's well overrated to the point where maybe you could maybe you could kind of semi-abandon it as far as the hook goes. I don't see any way of getting past it on the, on, on the rear end, though. I think if you try to do that with your foot flat on the floor and you leave it there, I don't see how that's going to work as well for you. Yeah, well, the thing is, in order for the right hand to be, the straight right hand to be effective um, and to be a knockout punch, yes, you want to, again, it's the rotation of the core that does it. Yeah. And the weight of the fist, the weight of the upper body and transferring the weight forward. But you need to drive off the back foot. And to drive off the back foot, even if you're a flat-footed puncher, you push in. You push forward. Your body weight is what gives you power, right? Yeah. And so, and so you need to, like, thrust off that back foot so your body weight starts going forward. So same thing with, like, a power jab or, or a hook. You not only just stepping in with the left foot, you're also pushing off the back foot, 
off the right foot yeah. if you're orthodox. And it's yeah. the same thing with same, it's same now. What happens with it now? If you overextend on the right hand, if you overextend on the right hand, then you need to pivot to get back on balance. The purpose of the pivot, as far as I'm concerned, is to allow you like maybe more range. So you yeah. can make a punch and you can stay balanced while you're punching through that range. Now that's what's important to power. Like you want to transfer your weight forward. You push off your back foot like you were a sprinter in a block, okay? You're a sprinter yeah. in a block. You're about to go on 100. You drop down. Your left foot is, is I don't know, it's probably on the ball of the foot too as a sprinter, but let's just say it's flat and your back foot is up. It's in the, it's in the blocks. Your back foot is off the ground. When that, when that, when the gun sounds, bang, it's time to go. You thrust off your back foot, which is your right foot, right? You thrust yeah. off that. That's what gives you the power to go forward. That's what transfers your weight forward. It's the same thing with boxing. When you throw yeah. that right hand, you transfer, you push forward. Now the pivot is so you don't go too far because in obviously in sprinting you keep going on a, on that one line. You have to bring it back because if you leave your hand out there, you get countered. If you commit, yeah. you can be countered. So so that's the that's what the pivot's all about. So you can like punch through and then come back and bring it's about it back. readjustment and reset. It's not about leverage and power. It's, yes, exactly. It's not about the power. The pivot is not about. It, it doesn't help you punch harder. It helps you reload so you could punch again. Yeah, exactly. Which, which you know, there, there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of misinformation out there, and there's a lot of things which are taken as gospel, and they've been handed down for aeons and decades as, as gospel. When you know they're there to be questioned, uh, certainly, you know, um, and ultimately. The textbook's all well and good, but if all you're going to turn out is a textbook boxer, if he's yeah. going to be special, he has to have something special about him. Um, I mean, you you look at somebody like Tommy Hearns when he throws that right hand. He's probably like he's got to be in one of you know one of the top three ever of straight right hands. If you, if you're thinking about it, you know what I mean. How devastating and and the, like uh, that that straight right hand was. And you watch how he did, and he did turn his back foot a lot, but he committed everything to that right hand. Yeah, like, like he stepped in with purpose, and he and he came up onto the ball of that back foot, and he drove through. And often he would turn it over, but not nearly like how they're teaching you how to throw them today. I mean, I'm no. looking at it, and everyone looks like Chubby Checker doing the twist. They yeah, pivot on there the you left, go. They on the right. Because this is the thing. The guy that I was talking about who was coaching Mago, he was getting her to turn the foot on a left hook to the body as well. You know when you dip down and your front left hook to the body? Turn it up. And I said, that is a fucking balance catastrophe, my man. <laughs> right? And it takes away from the power of your punch when you don't that pivot right. right. It, it, but, you don't have weight behind your punch. It, it absolutely destroys your punching ability. If you want to punch hard, you want to. You need to lock. There needs to be a synergy between your muscles, your upper yeah. body, your lower body, and your core brings it all together. And that's what transfers the power forward. And if you're not doing that, there's no way you're going to be a puncher unless you just happen to be heavy-handed. Do you know, drawing to a close, as I see we approach the 57-minute mark, um, Talking about Tommy Hearns, he went through a bit of a crisis, um, they say, an identity crisis as well, in that kind of Murray Sutherland, uh, Doug DeWitt phase, when he's, yeah. before he um, returned as the hitman against Duran with that devastating performance, 
which set up the fight of Marvin Hagler, he was going the distance a few times and he was finding yeah. it hard to knock guys out and he lost himself yeah. a little bit. And they yeah. said, I mean, I think he had maybe hand trouble and, and operations, like, you know, the puncher's mm -hmm. curse. But um, somebody in Ring Magazine, and I really can't remember who it was today, said, you know, he's been going to therapy and counselling, you know, he's been seeing a psychiatrist. It's like his whole existence and his whole identity is tied up in how hard he can hit with his right hand. And, sure. and, and that, that caused him a, a serious, you know, personality crisis, supposedly, for a little short period when he was having yeah. trouble scoring cows. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what's really interesting about Tommy? I mean, he was such a great puncher, but I don't think anybody, I don't think he's ever been outboxed. No, they say that. They often say that. So Sugar Ireland didn't outbox him. Benitez did not outbox him. Um, you, you might say Iran Barkley did in the second fight. You know what I mean? Like, because... well, yeah, fought him. And I realize I'm playing semantics there a little bit. But yeah, um, because that fight was quite, it was a quite a close quarter fight, as I recall. They were in fighting a whole lot in the second fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, and I can't, like, that's one of the things when people talk to me about Mayweather and, and Hearns, I'm like, there's no way Mayweather can outbox Hearns. There's no way. No way. It makes me laugh when people say the best thing that the Floyd advocates can come up with, and they're usually pretty young and pretty ignorant with all due respect. They say, I think, I just think Floyd would have found a way. It's like, oh yeah, really? Okay. Um, that, <laughs> I've said it before. I could prove in a court of law that he can't beat Tommy Hearns. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like Tommy's reflex, his his reflex is just so fast. It's almost like he doesn't even have to think about. You don't see him thinking about when to throw a punch. He, no. he, he just he just instinct. He has those kinds of instincts where he just instinctually he'll just let it go. Like um, it's kind of like you know you think of a crocodile and and this is what they do and that's all they do and they know how to do that better than anything. It's like this. Snap! It's over. That's yeah. it. And, and you know, is, is Floyd going to get bold and, and make some heroic uh, decision to get inside and and, and yeah. take a risk and break him up? No. He's not. He's not walking down Tommy Hearns. No, that's not happening. You so that is not stone that Floyd Mayweather couldn't have beaten Tommy Hearns, and then you'll get some other annoying fool at some point will say, "Well, we'll never know." It's like, "Well, no, we do know, don't we, Silk? We know." Well, they say he'll, they, they say like he'll, ne he'd never hit him. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I, I, just, <laughs> I just don't know what they're visualizing. But Demarcus Corley could, yeah, Michael? Demarcus Corley could hit him. Yeah, chop chop, chop chop here. Exactly. <laughs> and there are other guys. I mean, look, Cotto, the Cotto fight was a good fight, and and um, Shane Mosley and yeah. and and Pacquiao, and who's the other kid? The kid that beat. Uh, oh man, he he actually didn't he didn't he rock uh, Floyd? I mean, look, anyone can get hit by anybody, and they're gonna if it's a good shot, you get hurt. Um, the kid from uh, South America. You mean Madonna? Madonna, yes. 
Um, you know what I mean? It's like anyone can get begotten to, and it doesn't mean. I mean, we've seen it before. Like Sugar Ray fought dudes, and and he fought big punches and didn't get hurt by him. Then he fought lesser punches and gets dropped by him. Exactly that. Yeah. You know, it's, it all depends on so many things. It's like Ali. You know, Cooper knocked him down, and the number of times I've heard a barroom argue and saying, "If Henry Cooper can knock him down, I'm sure I might would." <laughs> but it's different. The fact, he he wasn't taking Cooper as seriously. Even if I'm not saying he didn't take the fight seriously, but it, it's a psychic thing, isn't it? You know, you're yeah. just not so finely attuned. It's like when he's got Liston and Foreman and Shavers yes. in front of him or Ron Lyle, it's a different ball yeah. game. The faces are loaded differently. Yeah. Well, I mean, the level. That's what I'm saying. The level of awareness. Um, you you're not like all of a sudden everything's heightened. Your instincts are unheightened. You yeah. your defense is better. Your your ability to sense punches and your ability to, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily take the punch of it lands all lands all, but you're taking something off it. I mean, just just the awareness alone is um, is an attribute that's enhanced when you're fighting somebody who's dangerous, and that's what I'm saying with uh, with you know to circle back to. Um, to you know the heavyweight fights today, it's almost like nobody has that element of danger with the exception of the like top two fighters or three fighters. It doesn't go much yeah. deeper than that. Yeah, certainly Will Wilder has it, you know, and um, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, I think from our point of view, Michael, because as far as I'm concerned, we'll think outside the box to come up with content and, and subject matter because I'm not interested in, you know, you talk about the heavyweight division, you know, Fury, Fury and Gano is two weekends from today. You've got the YouTuber nonsense this weekend, and we've had an easy ride this week because Gary's on a plane back to LA, so we didn't have to we didn't have to circumvent his desire to talk about it, you know. Uh, <laughs> so you know we don't have a lot going on in the heavyweight division the next certainly not the next several weeks. It'll be in, it will be interesting to see if they do if Fury and Usyk do fight on December twenty third. You know they're talking about Conor Ben fighting Chris Eubank Jr., which will be on another promotion in Saudi Arabia, also on December 23rd. God knows how that's going to work. But um, I suggest in the coming weeks that we um, talk about something else, certainly rather than Fury and Gano, anyway. Yeah, there'll be plenty to talk about. And, you know, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting, this whole, you know, YouTuber thing. I'm really balanced with that now. I, I, I mean, I think it's an interesting conversation because uh, being in boxing we could certainly learn a lot from it like you could learn a lot from you could learn as much from bad fighters as you can from good fighters actually and and you know a lot of times a lot of fights that aren't entertaining we don't want to watch but there's always something to take away from it and there's always a way to and you know sometimes the negative stuff enhances what you're trying to build or your knowledge it question it questions um, it questions what you know, and whenever you can question what you know, you can strengthen, you know, your, that attribute. Yeah. Um, I must admit, I'm very kind of intent on ignoring. My jaw almost locks when it gets mentioned, <laughs> you know, unless it's to say that the kind of thing I just said. Beyond that, yeah. my jaw just locks up, and my, mm -hmm. I just turn away, start looking at the floor, and I'm just like, at some point, yeah, yeah. they'll start talking about something sensible, yeah. and I'm back in, you know. Yeah. But, um, I just can't bother with it, so it's pathetic, to be honest with you. And I don't want to get on a roll as a rant 
as we're getting to the end of the programme. But, you know, John Fury couldn't fight a lick when he was active. And now look at him, you know, some kind of star in this quasi-awful world. Yeah. But I think is doesn't that tell fighters that it's as much... Promotion, yeah. It's as much personality as it is ability. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is. And it... I've always said, you know, in a way I feel hoist by my own petard by the universe or something because for years I used to say when I'd have conversations about the whole law of boxing and, and the ideal the ideals of boxing, I would say as long as people... You said L-A-W, the law of it, or lore, L-O-R-E? L-A-L-O-R-E. Oh, okay. Sorry, continue. Yeah, thank you. And I would often say... As long as people care about the personalities in that ring, they will watch the fight. And I would say that in a positive sense, because I would say guys like Nassim Hamid or or Muhammad Ali or or Shukwai Leonard or all the rest of it. Um, It's it's always personality-driven. But it's always personality-driven, right? Like, everything's personality-driven. It is, yeah. It's who we identify with. And if we identify with the traits of a certain individual, we're going to follow him. He interests us. We want to see he's me or he has some of me in him. So I want to follow him and see him. And and that's really what it's all about. So that's why I'm not as offended by it. Uh, I understand, you know what I mean? Like, trust me, I understand, like, the hardships of what it takes to, to get to the level you do. But they can never, like, money should never be the... Obviously, it's you know it, it it's a money helps. Money's not a bad thing, but it, that should never say because like when Floyd says, "Okay, well, I want six hundred million dollars, so I'm the greatest fighter of all time." No, that doesn't prove you to be the greatest fighter of all time. Nah. It may prove you to be the greatest businessman of all time, of a, a businessman boxer of all time. I absolutely give that to you, but it doesn't mean you. It doesn't mean you have ability because. Because the money is coming in for a reason, not because of your ability, but there's something else that drew people in. Absolutely, to... because it's not like he was a particularly entertaining fighter, you know. If it was based yes. on being entertaining, Matthew Saad Mohammed would have made twelve hundred million, you know. So it's um, <laughs> yeah. you know. But yeah. that, I, I always hark back to Gene Tunney saying a successful prize fighter should have two aims in mind to, to avoid harm and to make money. And by that, Floyd really smashed the hell out of that blueprint, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and you know what? I don't knock him for it. You can do it. It's great. You're absolutely in that way. Um, absolutely in that way. You did what you had to do. You got out the ring. You finished. But if every single fighter approached the sport like that. It would be dead in the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there'd be a problem. If every single fight was like how he was fighting at that time and it didn't have the diversity, it didn't have the it didn't have the diversity of personalities and exciting fighters, the Gaddies, the Tysons, the Holyfields, you know what I mean? If it if it didn't have all that kind of stuff, boxing would be gone. But exactly. because we do have this excitement and we you know what I mean, it's it can withstand, you know, um Fighters that don't yeah. think that way. <laughs> and in any case, it's my personal belief that so long as we have sugar, silk, and stretch, then boxing will survive. We will be back. <laughs> you, are, you know what? We will be back on Sunday. We're back on Sunday. If, um, I think Gary will be back Sunday as well. Um, 
He'll want to talk about the rubbish that's happening tomorrow night. Let's see what happens. Let's let the chips fall where they may. You call with that? I don't even know what it's what it's on. It's pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it must be, I guess. It has to be, doesn't it? it, it how yeah. could it not be? Wait, and who's and and Tyson? No, not Fury. Tommy Fury's fighting KSA. Uh, his name's KSI, but I love the way you don't even know his name. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> I know his last name is Elijah. I don't know why I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Elijah <laughs> kid. No prize for guessing who you're rooting for. Um, <laughs> uh, honest to God, I really it is beneath my dignity. I, I did see a clip on social media where the kid that's fighting. Uh, What's his name? The blonde kid. He hit him with a microphone on the head or something. Yeah, he would do, wouldn't he? And somebody spat at someone and someone else threw a bottle. But, but some girls called each other whores or whatever. Wait a minute. But, but not, not, the, not the KSI guy. The, the other I know, guy. But, Paul. but it's all part of the whole fucking same press conference. It's the same show, I think. But his name's Paul. Is it? Is it not Jimmy Paul? Yeah, um, it's, there's Jake Paul and Logan Paul, yeah. Jake Paul, Logan Paul. So this guy hit... hit Paul on on the, I don't know which one of the brothers, but hit him on the head with the microphone like this. Yeah. And so he was like, I think he was knocked out. So he like legitimately got a concussion before <laughs> before the fight. And is it stage or is it real? I don't know. Because I heard. They, but but how did they let? No, he was bleeding from his head and everything. How oh, did right. how do you get a concussion? And just because it wasn't from a punch, you're gonna let the guy fight. The, the fight should be like not going on i did see a tweet i couldn't help saying it by the way i didn't want to see it but I, I accidentally saw a tweet saying that the other paul has agreed to step in i think i think jake paul has said he'll step in for logan i think it was logan who was fighting him okay okay yeah he will step in for him now because but uh, fuck knows um i don't know yeah but, yeah, but that's what i'm saying is like you have an athletic commission this guy you just microphone or not he got hit in the head and he was concussed he could have had a car and smashed his head and he got concussed he shouldn't be fighting tomorrow it's it's insane well i'll tell you one thing he won't be doing either way is boxing but um and the <laughs> other guy better better perfect that microphone move because he can't do fuck all with his hands i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> all right I'm I'm a hard okay listen guys thanks for tuning in um it's, it's, I think it's better with Gary, but it's a lot quieter and calmer without him. That's my verdict tonight. <laughs> Tune in on Sunday to see what you think when we get the um, the third member back. Um, we get our third wheel game. back. Exactly. Ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.